0: Everybody. Hello. Today we have a special guest with us. We have Tina Karachi from Rise Academy of Music here with us today. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: Hi. I'm excited to be here.
0: Um, I would like to tell you guys a little bit about Tina before we begin. So Tina is an incredible singer and an amazing performer. She was actually a backing vocalist on Australian Idol. She has a bachelor in contemporary performance and a master's in teaching and about four years ago. While many businesses were unfortunately struggling and shutting down, she actually opened Rise Academy of Music right in the middle of the pandemic. About a year after it opened, I joined the Academy as the guitar specialist and I've loved working there ever since. What I've observed through working with Tina is that she is an incredible hard worker. She's highly motivated and driven. Not only is she super intelligent, she's also very compassionate. She is a master, singer, performer, songwriter, teacher, photographer, videographer, Pilates instructor, web designer, social media expert, and she has exceptional people skills with an admirable work ethic. On top of all of that, she's also recently established her own sunglasses brand called ZZ Wear. That's Z, double E, and then that again, ZZ. Tina, everything you do, you do to such a high standard, and it's amazing to watch Thank you so much for being here with us today, and it's an honor to be chatting with you.
1: Oh my goodness, what an intro. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to
2: be here with you guys. Yeah, it's been beautiful, I mean, getting to know you at first peripherally through Jesse working at the Academy, and he would tell me a lot about you, and then he'd be like, and she does this, and I'd be like, she does what? And, and she does this, and I'm like, how does she do that as well? <laughs> and it just kept stacking on and on and on, and now I'm like... Yeah, in love with you. You're amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much. I don't know what to say. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Just had to get you
0: on the podcast for that reason. And uh, there was a few things I missed from my introduction that Danica had to remind me of. It's like, isn't Tina an actress as well? And I was like, oh, yeah, that too, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it all kind of goes hand in hand, like singing and acting. They're kind of, to me, I see them as very similar. Mm. Um, And it's always been something that I've done. I've just, I enjoy the arts. What can I say? Yeah,
0: that is awesome.
2: I'd love to throw in, yeah, I'd love to throw in a random question. I mean, we Go have a bunch it. of questions, but I already have a random one to <laughs> ask you. Um, Yeah. What's been the journey of your creative process over the years? Like where did it start? Have you always been, you know, um, a performer? Um, What's been your journey over the years and how do you kind of envision what's coming next? Hmm.
1: Uh, well, I, that's probably the typical answer, but I do remember music from, as young as I've ever been. Um, I actually have filmed footage of me singing I'm in Chains or Chains by Tina Arena when I was about four years old. And I was like dancing and moving (laughs) and, you know, I was a 90s kid. So I was listening to a lot of 80s and 70s as well and always listened to music, always loved it. And I just remember when I was about, I want to say like 10 years old, I remember watching, do you remember the video hits concerts? Yes. I remember Destiny's Child performing. And, you know, Beyonce was there doing her thing. And uh, I remember sitting there just watching and just, like, staring at the TV, just thinking, like, I want to do that one day. It just, mm-hmm. like, hit me. And then that kind of never went away. <laughs> so I always loved teaching and I always, like, had the little blackboard yeah. and used to pretend to read books to teddy bears. So that was fun. <laughs> and I always, loved, I always loved teaching. But, um, yeah, kind of growing up, I sung whenever I could and always wanted to be amongst that world mm. um and then when i was old enough to do so i started getting a few singing lessons here and there started like uh attending more concerts learning and watching videos and and like the good concert shows what was it the arias or mm. what's the one in america called uh you know which one i'm talking about i know which one it's not the oscars that's for grammys? the acting grammys. ones grammy's yeah, yeah. you saw the grammys and all that stuff and being inspired by all them and And then when I was, yeah, older, I started to see how I could use what I loved to make a life out of it. So, you know, with the guidance of parents, and parents were very musical as well, by the way, Mm -hmm. and brother played guitar, still does. uh, I was kind of always always surrounded by music. My grandparents as well um, loved Italian music. So uh, when I was, hmm, like 12, uh, I started to sing and dance and wanted to really get into it as I said did some lessons and then I started to formulate my life around music I started writing started getting uh this there was this teacher that would write like uh albums that you could write albums with and EPs with so it was like a production system like you'd pay to to just write a song with this person Mm. so I did that uh and I absolutely loved it and then ever since then got the education in music teaching, contemporary music, as you mentioned before. And then along that started a YouTube channel, worked on TV. And it's been like that ever since. It's a really long journey when you think about it. Yeah. Jeez, that really ages me though. But yeah. (laughs) Beautiful.
0: How old were you when you wrote your first song?
1: Ooh.
0: What was it called?
1: I was about 15 years old. My mum used to try and like help me with songwriting, things like that. I still remember it. It's called um, All I Need. All I need is your love. I don't need nothing else to make it right. I just remember that song. So yeah, that was it. It's something that I've always had in my life. So kind of never left. So when someone asked me that question, I'm like, how do I actually break that down? Because I just start rambling, as you've noticed. I'm just rambling. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's always been there. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how to explain it. So, <laughs> creative process in terms of what you said, Danica? I don't know. I get inspired by the things around me. I get inspired by the people I meet. I get inspired by sometimes what I see. And that's enough. How mm. do I express it in words? How do I express it in a melody? How do I bring it to life? That's pretty much it.
0: Amazing beautiful um so you mentioned your parents are musical your mom helped you write that first song
1: yeah for sure so she was always growing up around music she loved to dance and when i expressed my love of music she always went to be a part of it which was incredible Wow. Oh. but when it came to songwriting i kind of asked her how do i do this my dad played the piano was in a band so i did have kind of like amazing people to guide me being my family and i remember i sat down and i was like I want to write this thing and I've got this idea. And then she just helped me write and formulate. What about this? What about that? she was a very much a very big stimulus to my early days of songwriting, which was so cool. Does she play any
0: instruments or does she sing as well?
1: She does love to sing. She's always sung, but she like, if she was here, she'd be like, Oh, I'm not a singer. She is. She can learn how to sing. It's great. (laughs) Anyone can learn how to sing. Um, yeah, she just, she always wanted kind of to be in that world. Mm. Um, and it was kind of cool because in a way we got to be in that world together because she's yeah. always helped me from that day forward. Mm.
0: Very awesome background. were well, very supported and you had lots of yeah. it around you. Kind of reminds me of the Victor Wooden story, how he was kind of born into a band. Um, him and all his brothers and his parents all play an instrument and they desperately needed a bassist. <laughs> and so when Victor was born, they're like, oh, he'll, he'll be our bassist. Great, there's our bassist. <laughs> and then of the whole family, he was probably the most recognized um, For his craft, Victor Wooden, uh, most amazing bass player. There you go. Um, So it's funny how like when you're kind of born into it, it sort of chooses you in some weird way.
1: Oh, for sure. (laughs) For sure. I mean, music definitely is something that has helped me through a lot of things, has helped me express a lot of wonderful moments. It's always there. It kind Mm. of never leaves your side. Mm. You know, it's always there to catch you, whether that's emotionally or spiritually, even for a form of escape, like I'm having a bad day. I need to just listen to some rock. You just put it on and you're good to go. Mm.
0: That actually leads me to my next question. So um, one thing I like to ask a lot of music teachers in particular and musicians is, do you listen to music today?
1: Yeah, for sure. Regularly? For sure, for sure. I definitely have weeks (laughs) where I don't want to hear a melody and I don't want to hear music because (laughs) there is a fine line between a love and then also it being a job. And sometimes in order to recharge your creativity, you need a break mm. because your brain can get in this kind of place where you're listening to music, but you're analyzing it Yeah. as a teacher, as someone who knows kind of like a different perspective to music rather than just enjoying it. And I, I remember when I first kind of like really started to understand how the voice works, I'd go to concerts And rather than actually enjoying it, I'm like, oh, look what she did there. And look at what happened there. And did you see how she did this? And I was like, oh, my God, get out of the teacher mentality. Just enjoy the song. So, um, yeah, I do have my moments where I don't. Mm. But most of the time I'm still listening to music in some way or some form. And I think also, too, there's a deeper appreciation for it because Mm. I, I don't know, I just understand more about the workings behind what it took to create that song. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know a few audio engineers who refuse to listen to music unless they're working on it <laughs> or showing it for reference sake. Yeah. And so I always find it uh, interesting to ask people if to this day, you know, late in their career, they still listen to music. And I've found that, at least with myself, that some of the time um, I don't want to listen to music more often than I used to. I don't think I word that well. Uh, a lot of the time, I don't listen to music when I would used to have been listening to music years ago. Mm-hmm. So the more I work in music, the more I do feel that need to recharge. I even have a friend actually who won't listen to his songs unless the session is open in front of him. Oh, wow. Whereas with me, I like to incubate and listen to them multiple times. But it's just everyone's process is different. So I'm get, I get curious about that question.
1: Uh, I was going to say a lot of the time too, uh, one of the great things about being surrounded by so many inspirational and aspirational singers and musicians, you actually learn a lot more about artists you probably never would have found or discovered before. Yeah. So I oh, find yeah. that that's actually the big thing too. Mm. So what's been happening lately, especially while being a teacher, is that students will bring you suggestions of artists they want to sing and I've never heard of them. And sometimes they're international and there's like more multiculturalism. You know, it's not just what's in Australia. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty cool. Mm. Now I'm open up to this whole new world of, you know, maybe the way someone uh expresses a, a song in the way that they write or maybe how they understand their genre and where they belong you know this particular artist mm. does that make sense so yeah. it's um that's pretty cool i definitely have a, a wider window of selection now as to what i enjoy because my students have introduced me to new music well it's not music new music to them yeah. but it's new music to me <laughs> they're like you haven't heard from them they've been out for 40 years i'm like nope sorry.
0: <laughs> Oh man, that happened to me as well. Actually, one of my students introduced me to Hosier mm-hmm. as a result of us doing harmonic analysis, so analyzing the chord progressions. And um, he opened his mouth to start singing the first verse, and my jaw just dropped. I was <laughs> like, well, who is this? Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard Hosier sing, Danny? No. Oh, that's one for the YouTube yeah, search. So Tina, tell us what motivates you to have such a diverse array of skills that just keeps on growing?
1: Oh, that's a good question. My love of life. Life is so beautiful and you have to realize that everybody has something that another person doesn't have or doesn't get the opportunity to have. So because I am, I guess I practice gratitude a lot, I realized how, how much opportunity i actually have especially being in sydney australia and having the lifestyle that i have so i think that drives everything that i do if i love something and i want to create something i don't doubt myself Mm -hmm. i will figure it out i will learn i will meet people that will teach me i'm open to be i'm like a sponge just teach me how to do it i'm very curious Especially about creative disciplines, very curious. How do you act? How do you think? How do you podcast, for example? Uh, All those things, because why not? Because it's one of those things where I don't want to have kind of that situation where, you know, you're older, hair's not brown anymore, and you're saying, well, I wish I tried that, or I wish I explored that. I don't, I try to just live life fully. And also believe in everything having a time because mm. sometimes you might have like a creative idea or you know something that you, you want to pursue, but it might just not be the right time then, but it doesn't mean you don't do it at all. So I guess everything that I've dived into is something that I innately love and I want to learn more about. So that is the, the, the heart of why I do it. But also too, what I do has so many avenues. So you very kindly... I don't know how many labels you gave me but <laughs> Too many. complimented me so much at the beginning <laughs> of this podcast and thank you but a lot of the things that you mentioned are a byproduct of what being a vocal coach and an academy director and a singer entails so when I was singing on YouTube I had to learn how to set up and use a camera I had to learn how to edit if I was doing a blog or I was teaching something it's a byproduct of what I already love so it kind of I don't know if I feel like it was like a natural process. It all just kind of happened so smoothly. Nothing felt forced. Um, There are other times where I'll try something and I'll try it. I'll do it for a year or two. Like I owned a candle business, like uh, I don't know how many years ago now, like seven years ago. And I tried it and I did it for a year and I enjoyed the process and I enjoyed, you know, creating things that were sustainable and, you know, something that was affordable and something that smelt nice and kind of surrounded people's homes. But then after a year, I was like, I, I really enjoyed that. Now it's time to move on. I mm-hmm. had that thing of like, that love of that thing is not there anymore. I-, I-, I enjoyed it. I don't regret anything, but that was lovely. Now moving on to the next curiosity, like, Glass-blowing is something that I'd like to experience. I'd like to go to a class and figure out how to do it. Does that mean I'm going to start my own glass-blowing business? No. Yeah. <laughs> but it is that kind of like, why not? Mm. If you have the curiosity, you have the means to do it, you know, you're know, you in a situation where you can do it, why not? Mm. So that's basically how I live my life, really.
2: Mm. Yeah, I love this. Uh, so many things from that that I want to ask about. But one of, it, one of the questions that I want to ask is, as a, crea- as a creative how do you, it sounds like you, 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 you find that natural progression between the more creative aspects of your work and then the nitty grittier aspects of your work. There's the back end business side of things and the logistical stuff. And then all of the social media related stuff. Like, do you naturally have an interest in, the logistical stuff as well or do you how do you find a love for that side of things because i think for jesse and i both i can speak for both of us when i say like if we could we we wish we could just sit down and be in the creative process non-stop and not have to market it not have to share it and not have to you learn know learn have a video learn how, yeah. And all this stuff. yeah and engage with social media so like how, do you have any advice for for falling in love with that side of the creative process as well
1: yeah i think for me it's understanding that life is yin and yang it's good and bad you can't appreciate the creative process when you don't know what it took to actually have that end result so sometimes you do need to do the boring stuff sometimes you do need to sit there at the computer and get frustrated at this clip that's not able to have this filter on it or not able to move there's it it's understanding that in order for me to appreciate the creative results sometimes you do need to sit back and be like, you know what? The only reason I get to create this and this looks like a masterpiece is because I learned all the boring stuff that I don't want to do. And Mm -hmm. I sat there and I, you know, painstakingly was editing or color grading or just even just watching YouTube videos for two hours, just learning how to do one thing in the editing process. I think it's just understanding and, and really goes back to what I said before, just appreciating even those things. It's like, yeah, that is painstaking. No, I don't want to do it. I could just pay somebody to do it. But there is something that inside me it's like um I feel accomplished when I actually learn how to do it myself (laughs) Mm. and it's like this innate determination of like like when I was younger for example I had a lot of teachers tell me that I couldn't be successful uh I had one person tell me that I wasn't worth the piece of paper I was written on that was fun um and he was like a producer director like music business right Mm. um I had a teacher in year six that told me I should be in special ed when there was nothing wrong with me so I've had a lot of like little hurdles that mentally I had to overcome and thank God I had amazing parents and amazing family that reminded me exactly who I was. Mm. But I think those experiences, although they can be perceived as a negative was like, Oh no, like what am I going to do? I guess they're right. I had this opposite effect where I was like, if you're going to tell me I can't do it, I'm going to show you why I can. So just watch me. That's kind of like the, and it comes actually out with love. And the funny thing is, is that I usually do it quietly so like a lot of the time they'll say like, you can't do this unless you're this, or sorry, according to me, you haven't made it, whatever that means. Cause that's a very subjective term, objective or subjective, which one? Subjective. I think
2: subjective. subjective. I was right
1: the first time. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. I always get confused with those two. Uh, yeah. So it's one of those things where I do it for myself. I do it to prove to myself that I can do anything that I put my mind to, but, and I do it quietly. And for some reason, I find that a lot more rewarding than showing the world what I can do because <laughs> I don't know why, but sometimes when you come across certain people and they're like, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. And you go, oh, okay. You don't say anything. And then somebody else tells them, you know, actually she did this, 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 this. There's something very like, I didn't have to do anything. I just had to exist. I just had to do what I loved. I just had to learn that thing that I, they said I couldn't learn. Look at me now. And it's like that Ah, oh, just goes to show it's really people's perspective of you that really can navigate how successful or unsuccessful you are. It's a very, very big impact. Mm. So having said that, I forgot the initial question, but I'm sure I made sense and somehow I was going to bring it back round, and I don't remember what you asked.
2: <laughs> don't worry, I've forgotten it too, but I'm sure you answered the question. <laughs> you answered it well.
0: It was how do you uh, get through the boring stuff?
2: Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so
1: yeah. Uh, sorry. So just to circle around and kind of finish that properly <laughs> um it is those boring things that i find an appreciation for because it is those the compound of the the boring things or the very uh arduous and technical things that ultimately enable to do the big creative things and colorful things mm. you know i'm not afraid to ask for help if i if i don't know how to do the boring things i'll either look it up i'll call someone i'll hire someone am not afraid to bring people on my team i love that but I think, yeah, it's just like that innate appreciation of like, I get to do this. Not, oh, I have to do this. It's like, wait, hang on a sec. I get to do this. Yeah. So it's just a change in perspective. That's all. I get to be a business owner. I get to do the administration so that I can run
2: a beautiful school and inspire people. Wow. I get to do it. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I really like that. It's a good reframe because it's like that logistical, almost quote unquote, boring stuff, is almost foundational or structurally supportive to all the good stuff. Exactly. All the best of it.
1: Exactly. Mm. And also to you know, it always comes down to like a lot of people just wish they could do this, you know. And I always have that. Like there is there is someone out there that wants to be a drummer, that is in you know developing countries playing on pots and pans and blocks of wood and trying Mm. to just be something so if I get to put this drum kit together and I get to learn how to play it wow that's awesome yeah I get to do this so it's just I just try and you know I'm not perfect by any means I have days where I am like oh "Oh, I don't want to do this you know but most times I'm like I get to do this you know it's not the most fun but I'm lucky you know and then that kind of frame of mind sometimes can cascade or or or, you know have a domino effect on people around you because the people around you start going yeah i don't have to wash the dishes i get to wash dishes i don't get to clean oh, like have to clean i get to clean the food that i just ate that's awesome do you know what i mean
3: yeah Mm -hmm.
0: it sounds like love and curiosity is kind of at the source of your uh being when it comes to pursuing new things and learning new skills of any kind
1: i would say so yeah
0: I really love that. So um, you mentioned before that you have a gratitude practice. Hmm. Would you mind sharing with us what that looks like and maybe how it's helped you in your life?
1: Um, I think for me, uh, it comes from a spiritual point of view. I'm a very, very big believer in God and everything that he's done for me and um, everything that he's supported us through as a family and also my own journey as well. And I think having that at the core of everything I do is the stem from gratitude and love. So... I mean, there's really no other explanation than that. I always just live life trying to be as close to him as his image as I possibly can. I'm always going to be very far away, but I at least try. So if you lead with love and you realize what you have and you just enjoy the simple things like the beautiful blue sky that might be outside right now or beautiful birds and things like that, sometimes just having that perspective can um, be enough. It's
0: beautiful. (laughs) So with all the different things that you do, how do you stay energized and avoid burnout?
1: Hmm. I've definitely experienced burnout, that's for sure. I'd be lying if I sat here and said, oh no, I always have energy. But I think uh, what it comes down to is understanding what balance you need. Everyone has that source of energy where you just go, 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 go. But being aware of your body and how you feel and how your mind is at certain tasks is a very big indicator for me to be like, hmm, you need to just take a break. You need to just go for a walk. You need to just do nothing. And whatever that means for you, you know, meditation, going for a walk, watching a movie. You just need to pull um, pull away from what you're doing. So I feel like I try to stay, not perfect, but I try to stay very aware of how I am internally how I think about the tasks and things in front of me, but then also to how I feel spiritually. Cause you know, when you're sometimes your soul's just tired, it's just tired. It's just go, 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 go. And then all of a sudden just this internal exhaustion, which is like, oh, you get that like, woof. <laughs> I, I feel like I haven't had a break. I usually try to actually acknowledge that and go, okay, what do I need to do now? Cause the world's still going to keep going like, everything keeps going, whether you're ready or not. The train keeps moving forward, as I say, right? The train's still riding. But what can I do leading up now to start alleviating some of that work or alleviating some of that, um, that time so that I can take time for myself? And that sometimes doesn't mean, you know, not everyone has, I would probably correctly say, the privilege to take a week off or to take two weeks off, right? So I go, okay, this afternoon, After work, instead of going on the computer and doing administration, I'm going to choose to do nothing for today. Or in the morning before work, instead of getting up and ringing people and sorting things out and doing all this business stuff, you know what? I'm actually going to sleep in an extra hour. I'm going to get up. I'm going to make sure I either do nothing or I go for a walk. And sometimes it's just the accumulation of doing those little things that can keep you going in the long run. And then if you're lucky, when it's around Christmas, you get maybe a break
3: Mm.
1: and you can just enjoy Family and that's another thing too. Just spending time with family, like stepping away, like spending time with my beautiful niece. It's perfect. Mm. Like it, I, I'm a very simple person with that in that regard. I don't need uh, to do much. So yeah, just balance would probably be the simple answer on that one.
0: Love it. Thanks for sharing. That's
1: right.
2: Mm. And I think loving what you do would also keep you energized to a certain extent as well of course yeah of course uh
1: there's actually something interesting about that i so prior to being a vocal coach i was a music teacher within the education system Mm -hmm. so i was teaching years well i did primary school as well but i was primarily teaching uh seven to twelve and i did like a year i did my degree and then i did a year of teaching it was like block teaching six weeks here eight weeks here five weeks here for about a year And it was really interesting because prior to actually going into the field and working in it, I was like, yeah, I want to be a teacher. I absolutely love it. I love music and I love teaching. Sounds like the perfect combo. And then in the first six months of that year, it was like this realization because when I got up, my spirit didn't want to get up. I was dragging myself out of bed. I felt like I wanted to cry. And I was like, Jesus is a very interesting reaction to something that I love. Why? Why? Because what I found was that what I thought something was versus what it actually was were two different things. Mm -hmm. I always thought and, you know, dreaming up to that little girl that was writing on the blackboard to actually being (laughs) there. I thought that music teaching was 80% with the kids, inspiring kids, doing fun stuff, activities, teaching them, seeing that sparkle in their eye when they got something. That's what I thought teaching was. And then when I actually got into it, I realized that 80% is administration and politics. And then the rest is with the kids. And I was like, oh, no, I can't. Ah, I don't fit in here because it was too much too much stuff going on in the background that I just didn't want to be a part of. Um, and it's that that very political. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of the time, sometimes it's not about the kids and it should be about the kids. So I know exactly what that side feels like too. Um, And once again, this is where gratitude comes in. I was blessed to be able to actually change that for myself. A lot of people don't have that choice. They have to trudge through. They have to get on with it, you know. Um, And they've got that mental fortitude to be like, well, this is my life. I have no other choice. I can't change it right now. These are my life circumstances. Let's go. But thankfully, I was able to sit back and be like, I'm not happy. So I need to do something about it. And that's the thing I'm... I've always been a person that tries to find solutions. I don't create a problem. I try and find a solution to the problem. And if it's a little one and they're like baby steps to change, great, but something, I have to do something. So that that's what actually ultimately led me to what the path I'm on now. Because then when I finished the teaching block that year, um, I started ringing up schools in my nearby area, like music schools. And I said, hey, do you need a vocal coach? Do you need a vocal coach? And then just by fate if you will i i rang a past coach of mine that happened to have this is this is what i mean by like everything happens for a reason that happened to have their own school i just rang them said hey do you remember me and they proceed to tell me that their main teacher was going to be on um one of the music tv shows and they need someone to cover them for four days in a week to take basically all their students can you do it me i pissed myself I was like, oh my God. That's a lot that's a big load. I was like, uh, yeah. But I said yes. I said yes. And they're like, oh, you'll figure it out because they remembered me. They're like, oh, we already know you can sing. We already know you can do this. And I was like, yeah, but teaching's different. They're like, you literally just came from teaching. Like, you're fine. And I was like, okay. Um and I proceeded to be at that school for three years. I taught there for three or four years. And I had a full timetable in the first week and I was like and I just kind of like looked up to the sky and did that. Like, I see what you did there, <laughs> sir. <That was> <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, but that's what ultimately led to where I am now. So hundred percent, like love was the drive for everything. Yeah. And when I'm, when I don't love something, sometimes you just have to get through it. Yeah. But if you're just making plans to change it and change one little thing at a time, the ball ends up turning and it ends up becoming that 180. If you just persist, yeah. but be patient. Because sometimes it doesn't happen in one go. Sometimes you got to do little things, you know. So true
2: yeah we've got we've actually uh, pivoting is something that i've really come to value in life we've done a whole episode on the ability to pivot and i think that's something that you do really well you even shared with your candle business when you lost that spark you're like all right time to look into something new time to let this go i, th- I really think that's a superpower um <laughs> i've yeah just really really beautiful to hear your values right like there's this gratitude there's loving what you do there's the ability to pivot there's um feeling inspired there's um being grateful i don't know if I said that already, but what are other mindset-related values that you believe attribute to your um, will and drive and motivation and ability to achieve what you set out to achieve? Optimism,
1: mm-hmm.
2: optimism, and
1: bravery to some extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was funny. I had a little conversation with my little niece. She's five years old. Um, she didn't want to cut her toenails, and because um, she didn't like it, she didn't like the idea of her toenails being cut. Because well. I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. And I just said to her, I said, sweetie, sometimes you've got to be brave. And she looked at me and she was like, she didn't understand. I said, do you know what bravery is? She goes, "Mm mm-mm. I said, being scared and doing it anyway. I said, that's bravery. I said, as long as it's safe and it's good for you, being scared and doing it anyway. And I feel like that's something that I do. There's a lot of things that I have done in my life that I'm afraid to do. It's like that, you know, that imposter syndrome? Yeah. You're not good enough to do that. You don't have enough experience. Why bother Mm. that? Or like someone's going to turn around and tell you, you're bad. Like you suck, (laughs) basically. And it's kind of that bravery of like, I'm not sure and I am scared, but I'm going to find out anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to see what happens and kind of just see what the gist is around the people, around the room. When you walk in the room, just get a vibe of what's going on. Because the funny thing is, is that God or the universe or whatever you believe in in life will tell you you're not in the right room, leave. Or yes, it's exactly where you're supposed to be. There's always signs,
3: mm.
1: right? So I think bravery and then coupled that with optimism because I always, and the funny thing is there is reason I, I feel like a misconception about optimism. Oh, it's, it's always positive. It's always happy. It's always this. It's like... Not necessarily optimism is actually understanding what the negative parts or the cons are of what you're doing, but choosing a choice, choosing to see the positive in a negative situation. And I do argue sometimes to some extent that is harder than being negative. It's easy to be negative, yeah, Yeah.
3: it's easy. I feel like,
1: um in terms of like our evolution as humans, we're actually designed based on survival and we're designed to just naturally gravitate towards the negative. Yeah, It's easier in some way. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's what we should be choosing, especially on certain situations. So I think it's just optimism. I put in a little bit of extra effort or try to, to pick the opposite, you know? And sometimes this is where family and friends and people that you love come to you. And sometimes they do remind you because you might say something, and they'll pick it up. They'll be like, that's negative. And then they'll remind you and they'll be like, oh, and you know, in the moment you're like, whatever, no, <laughs> don't, I don't want to hear this now. Just let me be miserable. <laughs> but then like when you sit back, you realize like, that's actually true. I, I need to, I need to reevaluate my thoughts at the moment, you know? Um, and having said that, just a little like digression or side note, if you are feeling negative, it's okay. Like it's all right. Give yourself the permission to be sad or to be negative or to think negative, but understand there has to be an expiry date. Yeah. Don't sit there mm. because it's not going to help you. It's not going to help your soul. It's not going to help. Sometimes it's not productive. It doesn't serve you. So what are you doing?
2: Mm.
1: So yeah, I would say those two. Optimism and bravery probably are the two behind what I do.
2: Yeah, brilliant. i um, really glad you brought those up. And I'm really glad that you shared that moment with your niece because this is something that I... You know, I love coming to the mid-year and end-of-year showcases at the Rise Academy of Music (laughs) and seeing, you know, I've been to a few of them now and seeing all these, not just young people, but people of all ages. Mm. Um, If if you go once, you'll see them get up there and do their thing and some of them are really nervous and some of them are like really in their element, but all of them get up and they have that positivity and they have that courage and that's something that you inspire within them. You bring that up and out of them. And and I can see that and then when you go back time and time again, you see their evolution, you see them working so cool, working <laughs> what yeah, working it's what awesome. they've got and strutting their stuff and doing a little bit better every time. And so can you speak to um I mean, yeah, you're you a vocal coach, but like how much of the vocal coaching process involves courage to, to do what you want to do, to get this voice up and out of people and people who are kind of afraid to perform, how do you inspire them to do that?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, wow. How? Uh, I mean, my initial answer is, I don't know. <laughs> that's, my, that's my initial answer. But I think, I think what it is, is sometimes you, you need to make people aware of their potential because they don't know what it is sometimes, you know, it's, it is that fear and doubt. Like, should I be here? Can I learn how to sing? I don't know. You know, and it's, it's up to you and, and Jesse as well with guitar and being a coach, like, You have to show your students you can learn anything. You just need to practice. You can do it. Look what you can achieve when you, I know it sounds corny, when you just believe. Mm. You can actually achieve a lot. And one of the funny things um, about that is that when we're having singing lessons, one of the things that I like to address or talk about in due time, when you have built that rapport with the student, is the psychology of singing. And it's basically that thought that says, I can't do this. Or... I sound terrible or I'm sorry that I can't do this. That's always the th- main three. I can't, I'm sorry. So they're apologizing for making the mistake. Um, or or can I do this? Or or uh, the other one is like, like, why did I bother? It's like, I'm here, I failed. Ugh, can I even do this? Like, why? And I find that when you guide and nurture the psychology of singing and remind, no matter what age, remind students that they are capable of doing so much more than what they think. And you also, I think sometimes just be real with them too. So for example, you mentioned the showcase. Nine times out of 10 in 12 plus years that I've been doing this thing, I always say, what are you scared of? So you're nervous to perform at the showcase. Why? I don't want people to laugh at me. And I go, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Okay. When you go and watch live performances or you're at your school assembly and you see someone sing, if they're not sounding the best, do you laugh? Oh, no, I'd never. I said, you represent 98% of that audience. So what usually is the way that you think? Oh, I sit there and I'm like, I'm either like encouraging them, I'm nervous for them because they want to do really well. i actually start cheering. I'm like, so what makes you think you're any different if you get up there and you forget the lyrics? You don't get the pitch right. You don't get the riff or the run right on the guitar. Well, what do you think's going to happen? Where does that come from? I don't know. I just want to do a really good job. So there's a second one. I just want to do a really good job. Well, we all want to do a good job. But then I tell them, well, another side part is when I say things like, they say, oh, I'm really, really nervous. What happens if I trip? What happens if my voice shakes? Uh, what happens if the mic kind of comes disconnected? Well, you know, what do I do? What do I do? The first thing I do, I mimic all of those in, in the classroom. I'll pull the cord away. I'll mute the song. I'll skip the song a couple of seconds and tell them to find the spot. I get rid of that, oh, no, what do I do? There's none of that now. And the funny thing is when they get on stage, they're still nervous. But even if that mistake happens to happen, they're like, oh, I literally practiced this. (laughs) I literally know what's happening. And then also too, they come hopefully with the mind in knowing, right, that audience isn't going to laugh at me because I wouldn't laugh at them. Mm. It's treat the others the way you want to be treated kind of mentality. So I feel like just bringing that awareness and being real and saying that wouldn't happen. Hecklers do exist. That is real, but not in this space, not here. This is an audience filled with students that are doing the exact same thing, finding their own journey, battling their own like um, obstacles in terms of getting up on stage and parents that also want to support their kids and the rest of the academy. So think about where you actually are. And I find just bringing that awareness and kind of establishing that is what can be a make or break really between a performance. And I've had it sometimes, Danica, like at showcases, students will come up very upset, um, very, very, very nervous. And you just have to be real with them. And, you know, and sometimes you just need to offer that support. Like, would you like me to come up with you? Because I don't care. That's what happens when you're the director. You can do whatever you like. <laughs> I'll come up with you and I will just stand next to you. I said, they'll be laughing at me because I'll just be saying they're doing nothing. I said, but I'm happy to. And then they'll go, no, 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 it's okay. I'm like, listen, have you taken a breath today? They're like, oh, no, no. I'm like, how about you just try breathing? And then you talk through the thought process. Why are you nervous? Why are you upset? And it's sometimes the reoccurrence of those mental patterns. Oh, once if I fall, once if I trip, once if I get the lyrics. I'm like, so what if you forget the lyrics? And we practice that in class. You know what to do. And then there's, it's kind of like that, oh. And then once they do it, this is the best part they start shaking when they get off stage. Oh my God, I did it. I did it. I did it. And then I go, would you do it again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just kind of go, yeah. see, what are you worried about? Yeah. So yeah, that's probably mainly what it is. It's building that rapport, but also to, I think, I think having somebody in your life that can actually relate is like, if you've got family that have never performed on stage, they're always going to be wonderful. They're always going to be supportive. You can do it. You can do it. But I feel like having someone that's, been up there and has done has tripped has forgotten the lyrics oh my goodness i forgot the lyrics to the national anthem yes <laughs> in front of two thousand people <laughs> yes the second verse which in my defense not many people know no, yeah no. didn't even know that was um, the second verse but i've done it so so i think it's also too like there is that beautiful bond that you share with students where it's like i'm not just talking from you know um, being a coach and you know he's a psychologist singing it's like no oh, actually i'm not talking from experience you'll be okay, Mm. you'll be fine. And it's like, okay, she's actually telling me because she's been there. I'm like, yeah, you'll actually Mm. be fine no matter what. I remember the same thing when I did um, uh, The Voice Australia, I did the audition and do I have a story about what happened behind stage and how that happened and and how I failed and how I was okay with it. Mm. And I think it's those experiences that kind of help students kind of be able to just step on there and be like, right. Oh yeah, fun. That word, oh, that's right, I've got to have fun. I forgot, <laughs> you know.
0: That's the thing I see um, most common with, with early performers is they forget that they're doing it for fun. Yeah. <laughs> and when they get off stage and their nerves are racing and they're like, would you do it again? They're like, oh my God, yes. Suddenly they're like, oh, that was fun. Yep. But it takes them a, a, a big work through to get there sometimes.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure.
0: And the other thing I find is that they might not have a supportive environment, you know, some of the time. And so even having their teacher there to believe in them is so helpful.
1: Yeah. I think we all need that. We all need like at least one person to Mm. be like, you got this, you'll Mm. be fine. You know, for sure. Absolutely.
0: That was actually one of the most pivotal moments in my musical journey was having an old guitar teacher of mine actually believe in me Hmm. when I brought him a song and I was like, how great is this song? How amazing is this artist? I love this. And it's like, Oh, you could write stuff like this easily. And I was like, wait, what you, you mean I could write stuff like this? He's like, yeah, you could probably write stuff better than this. And you he know, says easy. it's so
1: blase. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about?
0: <laughs> and like in that moment, I remember feeling like, Oh my God, maybe he's right. If he's, if, he, if he's as good and experienced as he is, And he's saying that. And he might see something I don't. And so suddenly you start to believe it.
1: I feel like as a coach, we do have a lot of like, I told you so. (laughs) You know, we sit back and we're like, oh my God, I did it. We're just there with the like deadpan face. Like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. We knew it. We told you a hundred times. Exactly, exactly.
0: Uh, I heard this uh, fun fact the other day about learning um and it's to do with kids playing and they say it takes approximately 40 different repetitions for a child to learn something but only two to five repetitions to learn it if they're feeling joyful while Mm -hmm. they learn it wow and that blew my mind That's (laughs) so teaching with joy I've, i've perceived you doing that you know a lot which is i mean i think everything works better when you're feeling positive about it. When, Cause that essentially lines up with what you said before, like leading with love, love and joy are very close and vibration. Oh
1: yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I can definitely hundred percent agree with you on that because I don't know if you've experienced this um, with some of our students, but I know that we've got a couple of students that have walked in and in the past as well, where they come from teachers that um, what are the words that they use? Like very like white walls, No color, just a piano, Mm. stand up, just do this. No, that's not right. Do that. Very um, clinical almost. I think was the word they used. And it's funny. It does play a part in the way that they perceive themselves when they walk in the door. And it's my mission to actually break that mold and be like, just be yourself. Are you goofy? Show it. If there's a song that you know, requires you to move and you, ju- you just have the urge that you just want to dance, dance. Because I promise you, your audience is going to love it and they're going to dance because they're going to feel your spirit. You know, so 100%, I, I can't stress this enough. <laughs> you have to bring joy in what you're doing. There mm. is a time to be really technical. There is a time to sit there, be arduous, practice that scale or practice that song, memorize your lyrics. Yes, but mm. you also have that moment of like, why are you singing again? Or why are you playing guitar again? Oh, because I love the way it makes me feel. Ah, so use that. So totally agree. Yes.
0: That's the only way that I was able to get some kind of skill on my instrument was curiosity and joy. Mm-hmm. So um, when I teach scales, for example, scales which most people teach in a very clinical and stark way, I try and have them put on a backing track. And if they've run the scale once or twice and they've got you know, two minutes left on the timer, uh, I, will, I will just say to them, Break out into a solo. Change the scale. Skip every second note. Do something different with it. You're going to give some
1: students a heart attack if you do that. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, what do I do? And
0: and like you said before, (laughs) training them for the um, potential for something to go wrong Mm. is so huge. I actually have students um, run on the spot for like 30 seconds to a minute and their heart rate will be right up there. And the reason I do this is because of something in Hebrew. In Hebrew, the word for nervous is the same as the word for anxious. That's right. And I actually learned recently, or not recently, but oh, years excited. ago. excited. That's right. Sorry, excited, excited. and yes. anxious and nervous. Sorry, that's the one. They are the same vibrational state, but mm-hmm. your mind labels it as something yes, different. That's right. And when I was a kid, I always used to say, I'm, are you nervous before you go on stage? No, I'm very excited. But of course, I was feeling nervous because it's the same thing, right? But I just framed it differently. So mm-hmm. I was very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um. Because of, I think Hebrew was my first language, or I don't know if I knew that word in particular, but I grew up in an Israeli household, so that influence was there. Um, and I remember thinking to myself that being excited about what I'm doing made it that much more fun. And it actually just motivated me to want to do it more. So you end up being like that one kid who's That's like, yeah, I'll do it again. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Um, but yeah, and then the joy thing was the greatest motivator for for, for me, I'm sure it was for you as well. You said you had a video of you singing Tina Tina Arena. Tina Arena? Yeah. Oh my doing god. Doing chains.
1: I think I actually have posted you put that on, on YouTube? I think I posted on Instagram for my birthday. Uh it was my thirty first or my thirtieth birthday. I, there was oh a little like god. clip of me like being <laughs> a star. Or well, at least I thought I was at four or five. Um yeah, for sure, and it's funny you mentioned the running on the spot. I do the same thing when it comes oh, to like, yeah, when we're preparing students for the showcase, I get them to go out of breath on purpose, and then <laughs> I go sing That's because it mimics awesome. it mimics the adrenaline rush that you get. Yes. So I'm like, let's do that, and I also <laughs> um, what I find is really helpful is I, I let students students know, especially those that are new to performing, you're going to meet yourself for the first time in this state, so you don't want a song. This is my advice anyway. You don't want a song super hard where you're worried about the note pick an easy song for your first time and worry about you being nervous like just meet yourself get comfortable with what you do maybe your hands shake maybe your voice shakes uh maybe you get weak at the knees uh maybe uh what's another one? Oh, dry mouth maybe you you start to yeah. meet yourself you know some people feel a bit nauseous before a show but find out who you are in that state meet yourself first then you can worry about building on the confidence side So sometimes it's just that little reminder of, like, get the adrenaline, like, mimic the adrenaline, run on the spot, but then realize that on that day you're just going to meet yourself because you don't know who you are yet. So just be okay with that first, and then we can work on all the song later. And sometimes giving a student that permission to be like, yeah, just focus on that. That's fine. It's like, oh, there's a lot of pressure at the end of the day. I'm like, no, the only pressure you put is on yourself. Like, just have fun. Yeah. So totally agree. I
0: love that. Meet yourself. That's fantastic. I think Danica should uh, break into her impromptu, impromptu vocal performance about right about now.
2: So <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> I need a whole lot of Tina's coaching <laughs> to ever get to that point. <laughs> you can do it, Danica. <laughs> More than that. <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're gonna need a couple of hours. Yeah. <laughs> Two
0: hours if you can do it, and then maybe you'll share like one note. With yeah. Her. yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> so. Before we wrap up, Tina, I'd just like to say thank you because as somebody that – as myself, I feel that I'm quite a creatively multifaceted individual and it can be difficult to see other people sit – like, like Jesse does – you know, one thing and he does it really freaking well. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I sit and I feel like the spider with all my limbs in different buckets. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what kind of image that is, but, great image. <laughs> <laughs> but like someone like you um, being as multifacetedly abundant as you are and creatively self, self-expressed self in many different ways just gives me a lot of inspiration. Um, so do you, yeah, I'd like to ask, do you have any advice for people who don't feel like they're super creative but would like to tap into their own creative processes or for people who are already creative to then just go deeper into what they're doing or to keep branching out and finding their groove. Like what is your creative um, inspiration or motivation for for other people and their processes?
1: I think the biggest advice I'd give them is get out of your own way because a lot of the time the creative process is blocked by what you think Think people perceive you as what you think you cannot do, so then you just don't do it. So get out of your own way and just try it. I think the biggest one that's attached to that is people don't give themselves permission to fail. Fail or failing is ultimately the way that we get to the next destination, is the way that we get better. You know, the. fantastic drawings that you do and illustrations that you done absolutely blow me away now let me ask you when you did your first drawing is it anything like the way that you draw now oh, it's a long time ago but definitely not right yeah and how many times did you have to like do drawings where you're like mm, i don't like that one next time i'm gonna do this or next time i'm gonna do that or yeah. why don't i like this one or what's that skill that i saw in that picture you know that maybe that shading or something that like you know, helped me out. It's always that kind of like stepstone. Same with you, Jesse. Like, you're a virtuoso in guitar. You inspire me incredibly. I love the way uh, that you play guitar and how passionate you are. But, same thing for you. Like, when you first picked up the guitar, how did you feel about it? You know, how was your first maybe song that you wrote or, you know, the first scale that you learned versus that scale now?
0: Very different. Uh, black and white, really. Yeah. Uh, black and white. I think as a kid, I didn't really realize um, that I, I didn't know that you could be bad at something. You kind of just would do it. Yeah. So you don't have that negative perception as a kid.
1: No, no. Which I th- is
0: a good thing. And then like what you said, to stay out of your own way. Well, we'll get one thing that would get in your way. I would assume is that negative perception.
1: Yeah. And also too, uh, I think getting out of your own way is ultimately what's going to help fuel that creative process or that, that, that creative bug that you know is inside you, but you're like afraid to find out what it does. And also too, don't uh let me explain this i was going to say don't have any end goal so what i mean by that is don't set yourself up for some kind of pressure like oh if i'm a videographer i'm only successful if i am a director in a movie or a videographer in a in a film or commercial or something or if i'm an illustrator it's oh i've only made it once i sell my illustrations or i'm in an art gallery i would just say if you love it just keep going with it don't think about how we can be successful because you'll find that creativity is Much more beneficial than maybe what success, and I say that in quotations because no one can see me, um, what success (laughs) can bring you. Because really, ultimately, it's, as we've mentioned in this podcast, and I think it's the overall theme, is the love and joy behind what you're doing. Um, The other thing, too, is for those that are listening that, you know, they're probably sitting there going, oh, I could never be creative. I'm not a creative person. Like, I don't have a creative bone in my body. Uh, Find out what makes you happy. Start with that. It could be taking pictures of flowers in the garden. It could be, um, you know, you just love, um, it could be something like you just love seeing people surf and wishing that you could do it. Explore it. Explore surfing. That's a sport, but it's a creative avenue, right? Yeah. Right? So find out what you love because everybody loves something. And usually the people that go, I don't have anything, means they just haven't found it yet. Agreed. It doesn't mean it's not there. Yeah. So do some soul searching. Ask yourself, what do I actually enjoy? What do I naturally gravitate to when I'm sad? Do I listen to music a lot? Maybe I should attend more live concerts. Maybe I should go listen to some live music nearby. Find something that... Brings you joy and start with that. Um, I was watching a video. I don't know if you guys have watched um, Michelle Carey on um, YouTube. She's an incredible um, YouTuber. I do advise you watch her. Um, She does a series called Challenge Accepted. And basically um, she puts herself in situations to learn different skills, how firefighters do what they do, how policemen do what they do. Um, and this most recent episode that I was um, in the middle of watching was she joined the traveling circus and she puts herself literally in a situation where she learns to like, you know, those cages where the motorcycles are going round and round. Yeah. She's yeah. like standing in the middle going, oh God, oh God, how do I do <laughs> this? Oh my God. And she puts these herself through these challenges and, you know, you actually see her go through these mental barriers and this growth and a lot of question of like I don't know how I did that and she's learning about what it takes to kind of be in that discipline or that creative world um, or career and it's really interesting because when she was doing it she was she was learning everything that it took and one of the guys that were there um, I don't know what they are called in the circus world but it's like it's like the host the one that always comes out in the hat I think it's yeah. called a hostel. Like, like there's a name for it, but I can't there remember. A name. yeah, um, and he was saying in the episode, he was like, you know, it's really funny. We had a six-figure lawyer. Um, this was in America, who who had a job and was all well and everything like that. And um, uh, she ended up going to like a a jewelry store or something like that. And at the back, there was like um like the back building. There was like a acrobatic training course. And she happened to walk in and she was like, she actually could try it. And she tried doing the acrobats. It was just like one of those spare of the moment things. Um, And he was telling the story that after uh, she experienced that, she said, I think this is what I'm meant to do. The next day she quit her six figure job um, as a lawyer. Obviously people were really, really upset and said, what are you doing? Even like her family, like, are you crazy? Da, 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 da. Like, what are you thinking? And this lady told the the host, circus host, because I don't know their name. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> they said, um, I cried all the way home, not because I was sad, but because I felt deeply that this was actually what I was supposed to do. So I felt like I was free. And she's now been with that traveling circus, I think, for like, I think they said like 16 years or a number of years now. And she does all the tricks. She went through training. She learned how to do it. And that needs now her life career. Lovely. And it just goes to show, like, sometimes your creative bug and the things that inspire you that might just be around the corner. You might walk into a situation where you didn't even know it was actually meant for you, like this wonderful lady that was a lawyer and happened to walk into a jewelry store that was at the back. Like what a situation. Yeah. <laughs> and then ends up being part of the circus. So yeah, don't be afraid to figure out what makes you happy and 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 explore it. See where it goes. You know, don't put yourself this pressure of like if I can't draw by day one I suck and I shouldn't draw. <laughs> Same with singing. You know, everyone can sing. A lot of people gonna kind of go, yeah, yeah, but it's true. Your voice is a muscle. That's all it is. And you need the tools to know how to use that muscle. That is it.
3: Mm.
1: And if you can believe that, you know, if you believe that you can sing and you can train yourself and have the tools, then what's stopping you? That's it.
2: Amazing. That's a great answer. I'm looking forward to listening back to this episode so I can be inspired (laughs) by that answer all over again. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Danica. Thanks for having me, guys. I really, really
1: appreciate it. This was so much fun. And hi, Cosmic Conduits audience. Hi.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If you resonate with anything Tina had to say, you would be excited to know that she has her own podcast coming (laughs) out quite soon called Behind the Spotlight. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. She has an amazing array of guests that she's planning. Yes. Um. And I really look forward to listening to your podcast because mm-hmm. I think you speak brilliantly and are very bri- brilliantly and are very inspirational. Thanks, Jesse. That's what I think.
1: Thanks. I'm looking forward to it. It's um. Yeah. It's basically the idea of. Uh, Invited other creatives of all creative disciplines to come and jump aboard and share their journey, share their obstacles, their triumphs, and their mindset behind how they got there and where they started and where, maybe where they're going. So, hopefully, it can inspire uh, those that want to be in that field, whoever we're talking to, um, or perhaps, perhaps aspire people to get into the field. So, very excited. So, um, thanks, guys. Thanks for teaching me a lot about podcast. Huh? Really appreciate it.
2: <laughs> Thank you for being an amazing guest.
0: And just one more thing before we go, uh, you can find Tina uh, uh, on YouTube, on Instagram, in, uh, Rise, oh, sorry, at Rise Academy of Music, and um, Tina Alcarace on YouTube if you want to hear her sing or vocally react or uh, anything else to do with the Academy is on there as well uh is there any other plugs that i'm forgetting apart from your amazing sunglass company that we mentioned earlier yes uh
1: (laughs) yeah so rise academy music on youtube instagram facebook that's fine not sure if you want to hear me sing but sure if you do yeah just type in my name i'm sure you'll find some old videos they're lovely i still keep them up there they're a good reminder to stay humble it's good um and yes the sun is, is a very left field but um i created that just for um well, protective eyewear first and foremost, but also um, actually having Australians to support it. So celebrating the everyday Australian and, you know, really celebrating the lifestyle that we have. So affordable, sustainable sunglasses. Um, I know that's a very left-field situation, but you're more than welcome to check them out uh, at zzwear.com.au.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me, guys. That was so exciting. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.